This podcast is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. We turn in God's Word this evening to Philippians chapter 3. The Epistle of Paul to the Philippians chapter 3. Our text this evening is verses 1 through 3. Let's read the chapter, hear the word of God. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any thing ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal, e reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. 
For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We read that far in God's inspired word. The text is verses 1 through 3. The second part of verse 1 and then 2 and 3 reads this way, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. There are two misconceptions that are arising out of a current controversy in our churches. Two erroneous ideas that I have heard in the last two difficult weeks, both of which our text addresses. First is the misconception that we may not be sharp in our warnings and rebukes. The misconception which sometimes comes forth in this way, that classes East made a decision that ministers may not give sharp rebukes and warnings to the church and denomination for sin and for false doctrine. That is false. That is not what class is decided, as you will hear after the service tonight, more of. God's word, which we consider this evening, shows us a sharp warning. A sharp warning that must come. <coughs> Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Paul urgently, sharply warns the Philippian church of false teachers, which he calls dogs, evil workers, and those of the concision, or literally those who are the mutilators. We may and we must be sharp in our warnings and rebukes. A second misconception in our churches also addressed by this text is this. We as Protestant Reformed churches may slacken in our watch for lies. We don't really need to beware of lies. There is not really a danger or false doctrine, or a works principle. Perhaps because we react to extreme characterizations, God's people may respond, there never really was a doctrinal problem, no doctrinal danger. 
And God's Word tonight answers that. There always is. Beware. 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 Not afraid. Not suspicious. But beware. We are not immune. The devil is always working to find weak points, to sneak in some sort of false doctrine, and especially the kind, especially the kind that will attack the doctrines of salvation by grace alone, by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. God's relevant word tonight addresses those two misconceptions that we may not be sharp in our rebuke and warnings. And that, secondly, we may slacken in our watching of false, do for false doctrine. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And some may read this text in Philippians 3, and perhaps most of us may hear what I just said. And we might respond this way. But pastor, I'm tired of all of this. Why can't we move forward and hear something different? And for one, I respond this way. I may not preach something different. God's word is before us and his providence in this series of Philippians. And I may not skip it. I may not soft pedal it. I may not ignore the specific applications that come out of this text and that apply to our church and churches. I may not. That's not faithful to God's word. And secondly, I respond. I respond with that, to that, feeling tired of sermons with the text itself. Paul anticipated this very attitude out of his own sinful nature and out of the sinful natures of the Philippian church. Verse 1 says, To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. For for you, it is safe. The word grievous means just that, tiresome, tedious, irksome, annoying. Apparently, Paul had written to the Philippians and spoken to the Philippians sharp warnings before. And Paul anticipates their response because he knows his own heart. Paul, they might say, aren't you ready to move on to a different topic? Aren't you a little tired of writing about the same things? Aren't you plucking at the same cord? No. Paul says, it is not grievous to me and implies neither should it be grievous or tiresome to you. For this is for your safety. Your safety. So beloved, listen. Let not any pastor arising to this pulpit, let not any member of this congregation ever deem the warnings of God's word that are repeated to be grievous, but for your safety. Beware of the concision. That's the theme. First, the false teachers. Second, the sharp warning. And then finally, the church's safety. 
The question before us is, who were these false teachers? And what were their false teachings which threatened the church of Philippi and still do threaten the churches of the New Testament? Paul does not explicitly name them. And although there is one specific kind that he is bringing up in this text, first of all, I ask you to notice that there are always multiple false teachings and multiple kinds of false teachers which attack the church of Jesus Christ. Notice that Paul points us to three in chapter 3. In the context, Paul hints at a perfectionist false doctrine. That's verse 12. We'll get to that more later on. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. That word perfect stands out. Paul claims I'm not perfect. Even as apostle of Jesus Christ, saved by grace, I'm not perfect. Probably because there was a false perfectionist teaching that went on around in that culture and in that century. A false teaching that attacked the doctrine of total depravity and of sanctification. And that insisted that the child of God after regeneration can be perfect at least for a long period of time. And that some of his works were virtually without sin. Paul combats that with this claim that he was not already perfect. But he, along with all who must follow his example in the church of Jesus Christ, must press onward in sanctification. A second false teaching which Paul seems to combat in this chapter is the antinomian kind, verses 18 and 19. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He calls the antinomians of his day that. The enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. These earthly-minded teachers may have spoken many truths about Jesus Christ with their mouths, but their walk, notice that word, their walk of life showed that they were actually enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul saw the necessity to combat this false teaching. He did that in many other places in God's word. Galatians 5.13 is another place combating the same kind of error. Only use not your liberty, your liberty in Jesus Christ. Use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. But there's a third kind of false teaching which Paul explicitly addresses in our text, and that is a form of the doctrine of self-righteousness. There were men in Paul's day called Judaizers, who were Jews, that sought to infiltrate the church of Jesus Christ, preaching, indeed, that we are saved by Jesus Christ, perhaps even adding the word alone within it. But in addition to that, they preach, we are saved in some sense by our works, works in obedience to the law. In particular, the Judaizers especially pushed for the work of obeying the law of circumcision. Circumcision, they preached, along with Jesus Christ in some sense, gains you the blessings of salvation. 
More on that in a minute. And Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to the church at Philippi to warn them of these errors. We may not minimize false teaching of any kind. Paul does not. And while he indeed focuses on one especially sinister kind of false teaching, he does not in doing so minimize the threat of others, other false teachings. You just have to read his epistles. There are all kinds of false teachings. Amidst the strife that goes on in the Protestant Reformed churches, amidst all the accusations back and forth that have gone on in our denomination, we have heard, and perhaps we have said ourselves, something like this. I don't see the threat of fill in the blank. I don't see the threat of Arminianism anywhere in the Protestant Reformed churches. I don't see the threat of antinomianism anywhere in the Protestant Reformed churches. I can't believe there's any threat of the conditional covenant in the Protestant Reformed churches. There's no way. It would be humorous if it wasn't so serious, beloved. We have all become experts in pointing out a specific error that we see and calling every other error a red herring. Why wouldn't it be so that the devil would attack us on multiple fronts at the same time? Why wouldn't it be if that was the case in Paul's day and it was always the case through church history again and again you see it wasn't just one error that attacked the church. It was always multiple errors at the same time. And the apostles and the reformers had to combat errors of all kinds again and again through history. Beware, beloved. Beware of the multiplicity of false teachers and false teachings. 1 John 4 verse 1, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, plural, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And yes, they are all from hell. They are. They're all doctrines of devils. They're all lies, and we may call it that. They all militate against the doctrines of Jesus Christ, precious to us. Paul especially emphasized the threat of the Judaizer teaching in our text. It was a form of works righteousness which emphasized the necessity for circumcision. Circumcision. When Paul at the end of verse 2 calls the Philippians to beware of the concision, which I said literally means mutilation, and then afterward in verse 3 insists that we, we are the circumcision, 
Paul shows by those two words, which have similar sounding endings, that he is combating this teaching of the Judaizers. Circumcision, in some sense, gains you salvation. And immediately as you hear that, beloved, you think about it, and you say, that's obvious, that can't be. That's an obvious false teaching we would never fall into. Such a foolish error that circumcision would save. It was not so easy. It never is. These Jewish false teachers were crafty. They were cunning. They were sly. They were deceptive. They confessed to Christians that they believed that salvation was by grace alone and Jesus Christ. No merit even, they would have said. But they added works. They snuck it in. By grace, they would have said. Jesus Christ has earned salvation. But in order to appropriate that salvation, to get it from the cross, as it were, to your heart, you must do something. Turn to Galatians 3, 1 through 3. Galatians 3, 1 through 3 is where Paul combats the Judaizers, the same group of false teachers, as he does here in Philippians 3, Galatians 3, we read, O foolish Galatians, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that he should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Paul's way of saying, let me ask you one question. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh. The passage shows us what the Judaizers were teaching. Focus on that last phrase, you now made perfect by the flesh. The Judaizers taught with cunning that yes, we've been saved by Jesus Christ. But in order for us to be assured of our salvation, to experience justification, and to be perfectly sanctified, we have to add to our faith works. Works somehow are added to our faith to become the instrument to get something some part of salvation from God, and especially the, the Judaizers emphasize to get 
the experience or assurance of forgiveness. That's what justification is. And this was the one work, especially circumcision, though they could have added other things. And so the church in Galatia and the church in Philippi, they said, yes, we believe in Jesus Christ, but we need to, we need to add to our faith in Jesus Christ something so that we can be more sure, assured of our justification. And they were led to doubt and despair and to listen to those Judaizers and to circumcise themselves and to follow the law in order to get some part of salvation by their work. Aiming at this false doctrine, Paul says in Galatians 1 verse 7, they perverted the gospel of Christ. Many believing these Judaizers fell, they were bewitched and they fell into shedding the blood of circumcision, thinking that in that way they would experience greater blessings of salvation. We are the circumcision, Paul says, against the Judaizers. We are. We already are. Present tense. We don't need that circumcision of the Judaizers. We don't need the works that the Judaizers promote that somehow they say gets you something more from God. We are the circumcision. We have the salvation in Jesus Christ already. We don't need these external works. You Philippians, you don't need to go through a surgical, so surgical procedure to remove a foreskin. You already are circumcised because you are circumcised spiritually in the heart by the Spirit. By the Spirit. It's not a procedure done outwardly. That's useless. It's a procedure done inwardly by the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit from Jesus Christ through faith and faith alone. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 and 13 describe this spiritual circumcision. You can turn there as well. Colossians 2, 11 says this about the circumcision which Paul speaks of here in Philippians when he says, we are the circumcision in whom also ye are circumcised. Saying, meaning, in whom is in Christ. In Christ also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And if, skip a verse, and you being dead, this is describing the circumcision still of the heart, you being dead in your sins 
And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Paul is explaining the real circumcision that is of the heart. The real circumcision is that by the Spirit, when he pervades, he cuts. That's the, that's the language of circumcision, when he cuts, not a body part, but he cuts into the innermost recesses of the heart. And in regeneration, he cuts that child of God to the heart so as to root out the guilt of sin. And even in principle, the power of sin. And to work instead within, within the human, a new heart, a new man. So that he knows by faith I'm forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future. I'm assured of it. And I may live a thankful life by the power of that spirit without any fear. I don't need an external circumcision or any good works according to the law. I have that circumcision already because of Jesus Christ through faith and by that spirit. We are the circumcision, Paul says. He says in another place, Romans 2, verse 28, For he is not a Jew which is one inward, outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You must know that too, beloved. That you are the circumcision. Those of you who are in Christ Jesus by faith, and you have the Spirit, this comes not by any working, it comes not even by the works you perform, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In all my doubts and in all your doubts that you may have, and sometimes the child of God has in salvation, that the devil brings upon us in the middle of the night perhaps, or after we've sinned again, we do not look to do good works Defining our good works some way to assure ourselves of forgiveness, of justification. But we look to Jesus. We don't look to our performance. We look to Jesus and Jesus alone. And then yes, yes, as we look to Jesus alone, he invigorates us unto good works of thankfulness. But it's not by those good works, whether it be circumcision or coming to church twice or fulfilling any rite of passage or even, or even of reading your Bible enough. Those come. The child of God will be disciplined in that. And yet those good works are not what we look to for our knowledge and assurance, we are the circumcision. We are justified. 
We are sanctified through faith by the Spirit of God. It's not my external membership. It is not my for right, precise formulations of doctrines even. We are the circumcision by faith in the person of Jesus Christ alone. Beware, 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 Paul says, with urgency and sharpness. Beware of those who teach otherwise. Beware of any doctrine that compromises this. Keep your eyes open. That's what beware means, literally. Watch, look out, beware of dogs, of evil workers, and of the concision. What are you watching, young people? Men, women, what are we watching? The screen? Nothing wrong with screens. But are we caught up in the propaganda and in the entertainment of today? So much so that we don't really know what is going on around us and the real dangers that attack our church and our children. Are we paying attention? Are our eyes on the Word of God, studying the Scriptures, and on the three forms of unity, studying these Reformed confessions? As our eyes and minds are on these truths, are we looking, bewaring, being aware, that's the breakdown of the English word. Being aware of any false teaching that attacks the scriptures and these reformed confessions. That's the calling of this text. An urgent one. Three times. Beware. 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 Are we watching for false doctrine? Even that which comes out of my own mouth, beloved, your pastor's own mouth, are we watching? We're called to. I call you to. On the basis of this word of God. No, I'm not talking about an overcritical spirit. I'm not calling for suspicion and distrust, which, some, which can sometimes characterize us. I'm not calling for, to, 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 for you to be afraid, trembling at the edge of your seat. You know that's not what I call for. And yet we must awake from any spiritual slumber and be like the Bereans of Acts 17.11. They receive the word with all readiness of mind. But they also did this. They searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things be so. They did that of the very apostles of Paul himself. And that's your calling. Beware. Let us not sleep as others do, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6. But let us watch 
and be sober. Yes, that's a calling to all of us. This is a repeated imperative, which inclu includes, and that call beware, it includes what is not translated in the English. A suffix, which is in the second person plural, so that we can read the warning beware this way. All of you beware. All of you beware. All of you beware. That's the literal meaning here. And yes, yes, indeed, office bearers must take the leadership role in this. But men, heads of households, this is your duty as well. Wives, as helpers to your husband, this is your duty as well. Young people, this is what you are being trained to do as well. Beware, beware, guard, guard yourselves, your hearts, and your church from the wiles of the devil. The name church militant is not a meaningless label. We don't throw forth on the front lines the pastor and the elders. And we say, you do the watching and then blame them, the elders and the pastor, for not doing the watching properly. And we ourselves sit back and leave it to them. No. The calling is to you all. We rely not on men. Rely not on men like Huxama, Opov, Engelsma, even Kelvin, Luther. We rely not on men. Yes, God gives us such helpers in offices to respect and to use as helps. But these men, and every man that we may respect, every one of them, have made wrong statements, have made statements of heresy, even off the pulpit. These men are fallible. They're all sinners, capable of the worst false doctrine, the concision, the Judaizer false, false teaching too, capable of heresy, and I acknowledge that myself. Yes, capable unintentionally of teaching it, and yes, capable of intentionally teaching it as well. My point is not to diminish the office, but here's the point. You may not leave the watching up to the men you respect. For they can fail and they will fail. That's the truth of total depravity that is true of even office bearers. So together, beloved. Not sending your captains and leaders forward, but together as an army, as the Lord's army, beware. It parallels first or Philippians 1 verse 27, which we have already considered. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I might hear of your affairs. And then this, that ye, all of you, 
Stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul sharp. He's sharp in his warnings. Dogs, evil workers, concision, beware of them. This is not name-calling for name-calling's sake. Paul is not casting out invectives to bash others' reputations and to promote himself. These names are descriptions, real descriptions, to warn the Philippians of the real character of false teachers. Dogs, he says. They're not nice pets. But wild dogs, scavengers, similar to the coyotes that slink around. They were unclean animals who spread disease. And dogs in those days were flesh-eating scavengers who were vicious in their attack. Strikingly, this name... Dogs was the name which the Judaizers themselves, the Jews themselves, would use against the Gentiles. And Paul says to the Gentiles, which mainly made up the Philippian church, you are the circumcision. Watch out for the real dogs. The real dogs who will attack you with viciousness, your very soul, with their cruel mouths, like cruel mouths like rabid dogs, they will spread their false ideas and teachings with cunning, so that you begin to believe them. They seek to destroy your soul. Evil workers, the idea of workers in the Bible is often a laborer in the church. That's what late worker means. So when Paul says evil workers, he's not merely talking about false teachers that were hard at work. But he's talking about a false teacher that had infiltrated the very church of God to be workers in the church. There are tares among the wheat. There are actually evil workers, 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 14. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, same word used there, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. No, notice Paul is not accusing specific ministers in good standing in the church of Philippi of being a false teacher. And yet he still says, beware of evil workers. He's not saying, Epaphroditus that I'm sending to you and Timothy, you better be, be, be suspicious of them. They might be an evil worker. No. But he is saying at the same time, beware of evil workers. Such do infiltrate the church. And third, he speaks of the concision, a play on words with circumcision. Concision and circumcision have the same ending in Greek just as it does in the English. 
And the word scission means the same thing as the ending in the Greek, cutting, to cut. These Jewish false teachers, Paul says, are cutters of the mutilation. They don't want to properly cut you to the heart to bring the gospel of repentance and faith in Jesus alone. No. But they really want to cut up your heart with their false teaching. They want to cut out of your heart the very heart of the gospel. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. They look nice on the outside. Very often, they don't look like stinking dogs. But that's their heart. Classes East did not forbid us from saying this. I warn you sharply, those who dare persist in the displacing of the work of Jesus Christ to make the main motivation for good works as something different, something other than gratitude for the glory of God. Those who slyly teach any Armenian concept to deceive God's people into thinking that good works somehow are to be used to get something from God. Dogs, evil workers of the concision. The Federal Vision teachers of today are such dogs of the concision. Evil workers, well-respected theologians who people say are reformed. Not all of them, but some of them are such dogs. Why? Why do we say such things? Why does the Bible say such things? To give such sharp warnings. I don't like to. But the purpose of Paul in giving such a sharp warning is the church's safety. Is the church's safety that the church might continue to bring glory to the name of God and to his son, Jesus Christ. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, is not tiresome. But for you, it is safe. It's for your joy in salvation. It's for your comfort is that you might continue 
knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ and treasuring it as your only hope for the guarding of your hearts, for the, for the prevention of any false teaching to creep its way into the church and to bring you to despair or to pride. The warnings come so that your leaders, your elders, and the church of Jesus Christ together might be encouraged into a proper militancy to watch. No, the safety of the church does not depend on our watching. It depends on Jesus alone. And yet he does call us to watch and beware as he preserves us. We must persevere. Negatively, why such a sharp warning? And we must speak of the negative too briefly. Not to exalt the church of Philippi above other churches. Not to make the Protestant Reformed Church think they're the only true church above everyone else. Not for the bashing of others and the glorifying of the church. And not to attack the church herself. Confident in the orthodoxy of the church of Philippi, Paul doesn't say, you Philippians, you're dogs, you're evil workers. You have the concision. But rather he says, brethren, My beloved brethren, re rejoice in the Lord. And we, you with me, are of the concision. We worship God in the Spirit, he says. You have the Holy Spirit. And your worship, you know and I know, is not merely that of a formality but it's worshiped by the power of the Spirit through faith. It's sincere. You sing not only with your lips. You come externally to church not only to be in the pew, to fulfill some sort of obligation, no. But here and throughout your life, you with me have the Spirit, the Spirit which confirms to your souls that you are of God and you worship by faith. You rejoice in Jesus Christ, don't you? As that spirit works in your heart and you know the gospel that is not of works but only in Jesus Christ, you rejoice, there is boasting in your heart. You say, riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Now, now, thou art the first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art mine inheritance, and you rejoice in the gospel. And you say with Paul, I count all things but loss for the excellency of Jesus Christ, my Lord. You worship in the spirit, you, you rejoice in Jesus Christ, and third, you, 
you have no confidence in the flesh. Your confidence is not in your works. You rely by faith on Jesus and Jesus alone. You do, don't you? I believe you do. I believe we are of the circumcision. We are of the true church. And now as those of the true church, the word comes to us, one with another, beloved. One with another. Strive together for the faith of the gospel you hold to dearly. And beware. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Depending on Jesus. Who will use those very dogs who will use the very evil workers who will use the concision itself even though they attack us as his manner for our good for our advantage for our strengthening Amen. Father, we feel weak of ourselves, tired even of the battle. And we do confess that when we hear sharp warnings, we have a sinful nature that is tired of it. Forgive us. Strengthen us in the fight. Energize us by thy spirit. Make us watchmen on the walls of Zion. Faithful in the good fight of faith unto the end. And when we falter, because the word when is true. Not if, but when we falter, though we do not desire to falter and fall and fail, be merciful unto us, and forgive us, yes, again, through Jesus Christ alone, and heal us in thy grace, our broken walls replace, for the glory of thy name, the preservation of thy church, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast. We publish daily meditations, Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day sermons on Wednesdays, and topical podcasts on Fridays. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org, and you can email us with any questions or feedback at hoperwc at gmail.com. Thank you.